Well, good morning and Merry Christmas to all of you. Would you take a moment and turn to your neighbor and just wish them a Merry Christmas? All right. Well, good morning again. My name is Ben Shin. I have the privilege of serving as the pastor here of The Bridge. And we want to just welcome all of you. And on behalf of our church family here, we're so glad that you chose to be with us this morning. I love Christmas Sundays. These are my favorite Sundays of the whole year, just because of the season and because of the reason for the season as well. And so today, thank you for just honoring us with your presence and joining us as we have this time together. Today, what I want to do in our few minutes is to tell you the story and background of the person of Jesus. Jesus is the person who came into the world, and he became the biggest game changer in all of the history of mankind. So today what we're going to do is briefly look at this narrative from the Gospel of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament, and I'll be reading from the New International 2011 translation. Let's look at this passage one more time, and I'm going to read through it, and then I'll begin with prayer, and then we'll start our time together. Matthew 1:18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Would you bow with me as we pray? Lord, I thank you for this Christmas Sunday a time to remember and to rejoice because of the person of Jesus. And Lord, as we come and sing about him, as we come and get to know him, I pray, Lord, that we would also celebrate the fact that he came to dwell among us, Emmanuel, God with us. So today we want to take a moment just to thank you, to think about this, and to commit and to recommit our lives to the Savior of all mankind, Jesus the King. Guide me now as I teach that I be careful and clear. And we commit our time to you now and thank you in advance. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have a simple three-point outline for today in our passage. Number one, we're going to be looking at a supernatural surprise. Number two, a supreme savior. And then finally, number three, a seeking son. So, supernatural surprise, a supreme savior, and a seeking son. Here we go, number one, a supernatural surprise, verses 18 to 19. The story here begins with one of the most unusual stories in all of the Bible. Joseph and Mary were engaged to be married. Nothing unnatural there. They had not consummated yet because the time of the strict rules of the Jewish culture required that they abstain from one another. 
But all of a sudden, somehow, she was pregnant. How in the world did that happen? Again, the culture of the first century was much like the 21st century Asian culture, which was strongly an honor and shame culture. And because of that dynamic, for this to happen, for her to be pregnant all of a sudden while they were only engaged, would have been looked upon, down upon. It would have been considered a disgrace. It would have hindered their social standing and reputation within society. And so we're told in this passage, because Joseph, her husband-to-be, was an honorable man, rather than put her to the shame and disgrace of this situation, he decided to quietly separate and spare her of this public disgrace. Now think for a moment here. The surprise here, of course, is that Mary got pregnant in an extraordinary way that was not been repeated ever since that time. And the significance here is that in order for Jesus to be more than a normal human being, then the means of his birth would also need to be extraordinary and supernatural. That's why what Christians call the virgin birth is an important and significant idea within Christianity because that becomes the major separating point between Jesus and other leaders of any other religion or institution. This was truly a supernatural surprise. And so here's the summary point of this first idea. The supernatural surprise of the virgin birth separates Jesus apart from any other ordinary human. And that's what brings this uniqueness to the story, and that's the uniqueness of Christianity. We have a Savior who was born from a virgin birth. And again, it's interesting, we don't see the emotion per se of Joseph, but I'm sure he was surprised. And I'm sure Mary was surprised as well. But the surprise would be something that would turn into something supreme, which leads us to our second point, a supreme savior. In verses 20 and 21, we see that now the mission, the why Jesus was now sent to earth becomes clear to us. As you remember in this first statement, Joseph, because he was an honorable man, wanting to spare Mary from shame and disgrace, decides that he's going to quietly just separate from her. But instead, look at verse 20. It says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Let me give you the modern translation of that to Joseph. It would have been, chill out. Don't worry, man. It's all good. God has this under control. You see, God intervenes now, divinely again, through an angel in a dream. And what this angel does is knowing that Joseph is going to possibly do this, clarifies for him the reason why this supernatural surprise happens. Because Mary is going to give birth to a supreme Savior. Look at verse 21. Again, the clarification says, She will give birth to a son, and you want to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people 
from their sins. In the times of the Bible, names were significant. They were often nicknames or statements that were given to indicate a, a, a trait, a characteristic, uh, some kind of function. By the way, when I was growing up in the 60s in Pasadena, they used to call me Bruce based on Bruce Lee, because that was the only Asian, or as they would say back in the day, only Oriental that they would know. Of course, I didn't know anything about Kung Fu. I had a black belt. That's all I had, a black belt. <laughs> no skill or martial arts ability, but I just played along with that nickname. Names were significant because they indicated functionality. And in this verse, it says his name will be called Jesus, or in the Jewish culture, Yeshua, which means God saves. And so when people heard a name, they would ponder that and say, oh, that's an interesting name. Have you ever met people that are, have interesting names and you got to go, oh, that's kind of an interesting name? I actually met a gal and her first name was Snow. And I just jokingly said, I hope your name's not White. And she said, it is. Her name was Snow White. Her parents probably envisioned either a princess or they had a strong infatuation with Disney. But the point is, names indicate function. And now, Joseph is starting to realize this. The, the supernatural surprise is going to lead to a supreme savior, and his name is Jesus. The key statement that comes out of this is the phrase, do not be afraid. Because again, all of this is quite overwhelming, as you can imagine. The uniqueness of this special birth that would give birth to a special person is one of the most important ideas activities, events of all of history. This begins the two-part process of which we celebrate today as Christians, Christmas, the birth of Christ, which then will be bookend later on in April, April 12th to be specific, this 2020, of the Christian message of Easter, where it commemorates now the death of Jesus and then ultimately the resurrection. The birth of Christ coming to die for our sins, to save us, who he would die himself and resurrect on the third day, and we will celebrate that again on Easter. Here's the summary point of number two. Jesus' mission was to be born on earth, live among us, die and resurrect in order to prove who he was and thus take away the sins of all who believe in him. That is the mission of Jesus. That's why he came. He was born to die, to take away our sins. So not only do we have a supernatural surprise of the Supreme Savior, but third, we have a seeking son. A seeking son. This last point is, again, probably what indicates the name again, which we're going to see, Emmanuel. You see, Jesus was predicted thousands of years ago prior to this event in Matthew's Gospel. It was predicted by a prophet named Isaiah. And in his prophecy, he states that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. Now, I understand in this previous section, we just saw and said, wait a sec, I thought his name was Jesus. 
Now, is his name Emmanuel? How can that be? Well, simply, it's kind of like if you have an English name and you have a Korean name. You could have two names. I remember at home when I was growing up, never did they call me by my Korean name, because one, I didn't speak Korean. But two, I was Ben, but when I was in trouble, I was Benjamin all of a sudden. And again, it became a little bit more serious. But all this to say, the name that we're going to see, the second name, is symbolic of his mission, and it also becomes a fulfillment of what he was supposed to do. Let's take a look now at this passage. Verse 22 says, And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that's Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. Take a look at that word Emmanuel. It's a Hebrew word. The last two letters, L, is the part that is basically the word for God. And Iman is the word in Hebrew that simply means a sense of presence or of being with a person. And so this name is, again, kind of a name that describes what he would be with us. And then Matthew provides a translation. It says, which means God with us. Think with me for just a moment. In most religions, God is up here somewhere in the stratosphere, right? But a uniqueness, again, of Christianity is now that God the Father sends Jesus the Son in the form of a human on Christmas Day to be born to die. Think about that. That's pretty mind-blowing as you understand that. But the point that I want to camp on for just a minute is this fact that he's with us. Why in the world would Jesus be with us? Let me make a few suggestions. One, to understand us. One, that whole idea of being with us is to understand us. In other portions of Scripture, it says that that Jesus sympathizes with us. He knows our pains. He knows our struggles. He knows our sins. And so because of that, he understands us because he wants to be with us. So not only is he there in, his, in terms of just his desire, but his presence to understand us. And may, may I say, number two, to relate to us. Because he's not just this person up here. He actually dwelt among us to relate to us, to share with us, and to show us what it means to live and to love. A third reason why I think it's important for us to understand that God is with us is, again, because he cares for us deeply. I don't know if you've ever been with people who just want to be with you. And you know that you can strike up a friendship with them. Or maybe if you're in a dating relationship, yeah, you're inseparable. God wanted to be with us, and so he sends Jesus in the form of man to be with us, to understand us, to relate to us, and because he loves us. But the greatest reason why Jesus came is to save us. To save us from our sins. And so here's the summary point for this third point, and that is this. Notice that God sent Jesus, the Son of God, in order to seek us and ultimately save us. There is no other God, deity, 
person who is like Emmanuel. No one who understands us, who relates to us, who loves us and desires to be with us and saves us through this process. Jesus is the only one. So we've looked at three points today from this simple statement in Matthew's Gospel. We've seen that there was a supernatural surprise. Secondly, a supreme Savior. And third, a seeking Son. So I want to raise this question and see if I can answer this for you. The question is this, then. How should I respond to this message? In other words, when I hear this message, am I just going to hear it and then eat some tacos later, which we will have some great tacos. But how should I respond to this? Let me give you four thoughts on how you can respond to this message. Here's the first one, number one. Understand that the invitation is for a relationship with God through Jesus the Son. I'm not here to tell you about religion. I am not a religious person. I'm here to tell you about the greatest relationship you could ever have. And that relationship is with God Almighty through Jesus the Son. That was his mission. He came to connect us so that he would be this bridge between a separation of sinful man and a holy God. So understand that the invitation this morning is not for religion, but rather for a relationship with God through Jesus the Son. But in order for that to happen, we need number two, to realize your brokenness and the need for God to save you from your sins. I do not stand up here as a person who has it all together. I do not. I have many broken parts. Every person does. And that's why I would make the argument that every single person in this world who has ever lived or will live needs a person like Jesus who is the Savior. And what we have to do, and if you've seen this in whether it be AA meetings or any other kind of counseling situation, the first thing is the admission that we need something. That I am broken. I am sinful. I am separated. And sinfulness doesn't mean that you're an axe murderer, that you commit sins. But it also has omissions of things that you do not do. You do not follow God, which is the greatest omission of a sin that anyone could commit. We need to realize our brokenness and the need for God to save us from our sins. And then that leads us to number three, to relinquish all control of your life and release it to Jesus, your new leader. Isn't it true that we like control? We want to be in charge. Whether it be on the road, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in our relationships, we like to be in control. The problem is that we can't control everything. And sometimes we shouldn't be in control. That's why the invitation here of this relationship, once we realize and acknowledge our brokenness, is we're saying we're going to relinquish and release our control to Jesus. You see, he's the perfect one, born of a virgin birth, sinless in his life. And as he leads us, he will always lead us in the right way. 
And that's why we're called to release and relinquish all control of our lives to Jesus, our new leader and our savior for our lives. That leads to our fourth and final point. In order to maintain and sustain this kind of relationship, we need to then enter into a new family and community. And this is the local church. We are the bridge. Our vision statement is to connect people to God and to one another for his glory. And this is what we're here for. That's our mission statement. We exist here in Atwater Village to try and connect you to God. And once that has happened, then you would be then ultimately adopted into this new family. All are welcome. All will be loved. All will be cared and nurtured for. I will give you my word as the pastor of this ministry. But the greatest person you could ever follow who we're reminded of every Sunday is again that person of Jesus, the sinless one. And so this morning as you have come into this church, I don't know what your expectations were. Maybe that you'd hear a message, sing a few songs, and we've done that. But I would be remiss to say if you don't do this final thing, it would not be as meaningful for you to be here. To respond with your heart. To say, yes, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you today. And so the good news of what's called the gospel is very clear. Jesus was born in order to die, to take away our sins. And he invites you and me to enter into relationship with himself. And the amazing thing is that is a relationship that can never be broken. It's an eternal one. It's not a, just a quantitative eternal life, though. It's also what the Bible calls an abundant life, a qualitative life that gives you new reason and meaning and purpose. This morning after the service, I want to invite any of you who have any questions. I'll be here in the front. If you feel moved this morning to give your life to Christ or even to inquire about Christ, I would be more than happy to just chat with you and talk with you this morning. <coughs> And again, if you are looking for a group of people, a community to connect with, to be loved upon, please check us out, The Bridge. We'd love to have you here. We'd love to care for you. But more than anything, we'd love to share with you and show you the love of Christ. Would you bow with me now as we close our time together? <clears throat>